Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Continuing our series about true happiness, and I know some of you who've come out of the world, which is every one of us, we thought there was a lot of happiness there, and we came to Christ, there's a lot of do's and don'ts. How many thought that away? I mean, I really didn't think that way when I first got saved. I really didn't. I was so grateful that I have escaped hell. How many can relate to that? Would you raise your hand? I mean, I didn't care about the rules. I was ready to obey all the rules, and all of a sudden we get to... A few years under our belt, and we decide that, well, I don't like these rules anymore. What happened? As Paul said, what happened? So I hope this morning that we can guide you back to the Bible that if you indeed really, truly obey the laws of God, or actually his letter to us, his love letter to us, truly there's real happiness found in keeping his commandments. How do I know that King David reminds us of that? A man after God's own heart. Here's what he taught us about God's word. He said in Psalms 119, 1 through 4, joyful are people of integrity. Is that you? Who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil overall, and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. In another translation, it also uses the word happiness. How happy, how joyful, the Holman Bible, are those whose way is blameless and who live according to the Lord's instructions and commandments. Happy are those who keep his decrees. So that's the title of the series, The Secret to True Happiness. We're not jiving you. You know and I know this, that true happiness is not found in money, sex, power, and position. But in God, I can tell you with a straight face, all those things are okay if we follow the guidelines of God's word, God's word, truly I can tell you there is joy and happiness in following God. Amen. It really is. It's not me standing here preaching to you. The clearest conscience I have is when I'm following God as he's asked you and me to follow him. Oh, what joy it is. So by looking at these commandments... We're going to find out a little bit about them this morning, but the commandments do reveal something to you and me this morning. The Ten Commandments actually show us like a mirror. Yes, you guessed it, your failures and my failures. Amen? It's a mirror. It points out that we cannot keep his commandments. It points out our sinfulness and our need of a Savior. It is impossible for anyone anyone to keep these commandments I don't know if you know this also 
I think this will help us, especially when we come time to the fourth commandment about keeping the Sabbath. But there are not just 10 commandments in the Bible. Did you know that? There are over 613 commandments that were given Moses, not just 10 commandments. But like Jacob said last week, these made the top 10 of the 613. And the first one we're going to talk about this morning made the top three. You know, the fab three or the fab five, as they say in basketball, this made the top three. One of them is taking God's, in name, God's name in vain. I want to ask you, have you ever taken God's name in vain? Well, let me ask you in the reverse. How many have never taken God's name in vain? Would you please stand up and we have someone that wants to give you a star? Because you're going to find out there's more than one way of taking God's name in vain. Let's look at Deuteronomy 5.11. The title of this morning's message is Honor God and Honor Jesus. And you'll understand that as we make our way through this morning's message. Honor God and Honor Jesus. Deuteronomy 5.11, the third commandment says, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Juxtaposed against Luke 11.2 says this. When Jesus was teaching his followers how to pray, he said, this is how you should pray. Father, make your name or may your name be kept holy. That's the opposite side. Don't curse God. Let's honor that name. I, I was thinking how we honor the name of many athletes, many movie stars, many people who have achieved things and God is saying, honor the Father's name. Another passage teaches us in James 3, 7 through 12. This is by the way of introduction. People can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Here's the reason. Sometimes... We praise God, the Father, with that tongue, and then we curse him, don't we? And sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so the scripture teaches us in James, so blessings and cursings come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. You're singing God's praises on Sunday morning, and then you go out there and you're with the people out there in the world, and... You join in with them in their conversations. You watch people in their conversations by the way of entertainment. And you hear that precious name being taken in vain. And he says, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? He's appealing to our conscience, our logic. Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you cannot draw fresh water from a salty spring. His name is to be exalted. Now, what the commandment is not saying is this. The commandment is not saying that you cannot write down his name or say his name. Many people in our Jewish brothers would not say the name Yahweh. They would replace it with Adonai 
When they wrote his name down, they would not put vowels in there. They were so concerned about not taking his name in vain, and you'll see why in a couple minutes. But he's not saying you cannot say his name, Jehovah or Yahweh, the Jehovah, the covenant name he gave to Israel. What he is saying is don't misuse the name of God. How can we do that? Okay, here we go. How can we misuse the name of God as we think about taking God's name in vain? Well, blaspheming the name of God found in Leviticus 24, 16 is one of the ways we misuse God's name in vain. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord, wow, must be stoned to death. Be a lot of people dead out in the pickleball court that I play. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not lying. I remember when I cleaned carpets. I was cleaning carpets while I was took this job as associate pastor back in 1997. And uh, man, this guy was every every three words was G G G D D D G D. I didn't know if that's the only alphabet he knew, or but that's all he said. I said, Do you know? Do you know that you've been taking God's name in vain? He, oh, I didn't know that. Really, the people in the world do not even understand what they're doing and what they're saying. Many don't. But the Bible teaches us that if they misuse his name in vain, that they were to be stoned. Now you understand why the Jews at all costs avoided saying his name and replace it with another Precious name, Adonai. It goes on to tell us that we're not to show contempt or disrespect for the name of God. Now, how can you blaspheme his name? We all know without me saying it, God blank, or God sucks, or God this. You've heard people use his name over and over again in a very blasphemous way. That's taking his name in vain. One of the things when I got saved, is, and I share this all the time, is, is I, I mean, I have a reverence for his word. I have a reverence. Even when I'm typing on my computer, if it does a small H, I quickly go back and I switch it to a capital H. Is anybody like that in here? There's a, you and me have a reverence for that name. And yet, I, I struggle with this. This is one of my pet peeves, that you won't say that name, but you'll watch someone on TV say that name, and you think nothing of it. I don't know about you, but I cannot sit on the couch with Jesus. There's a lot of things I couldn't sit on the couch with Jesus, but I cannot sit down while they take his father, who sent his only son, to use in vain. I want you to think about that a little bit more. I don't want it to be a legalistic thing. I want you to think about that. I was taught that right away when I got saved. And therefore, I didn't hardly watch any movies. I've got up in the middle of movies in college, walked out with all our family on vacation, walked into a movie. I think one of the last movies all our family walked out was True Grit, a new movie they made of John Wayne. He's one of my favorite macho actors, John Wayne. Anybody else like John Wayne in here? Or am I speaking over? Oh, I'm speaking to the wrong crowd. That's right. <laughs> and right at the beginning, he sets up my goal. No, he, he didn't say that. Please. He didn't say that. Nope, no. <laughs> then he did say it again. 
So I'm looking over there, and everybody knows what we're going to do. <laughs> oh, Dad. <laughs> so my son, Kevin, gets up, and he goes back to the manager and says, we want our money back. He got every single penny back and some popcorn on top of that. No, I don't remember about the popcorn. <laughs> when I went to college with my wife, she was embarrassed. Uh, there's been a lot of things I've done that I've been ashamed of, but that doesn't mean you and me haven't done some things right and been a testimony for our, our Lord and God. And I've walked out in the middle of our, a Christian university, Washington Baptist University, and walked out because they showed a movie. I couldn't believe they showed a movie at a Christian university that was taking God's name in vain. That's how I thought. That's the Holy Spirit in me. I don't know about you. It wasn't that I was righteous. It was the Holy Spirit telling me, that's your daddy. Can you imagine me going around talking about your wife? Anybody want to volunteer, give me a name of their wife, and I'll start. Uh, just think about it, running that name through the mud. We know all about that in the political circles, how they take people's names and run it through the mud. That's what we do with God's name. He's saying, you're dead. Something else about taking God's name in vain, and that's swearing to God by the name of God. Trying to convince someone else of the truth so you look around for something more weightier, and I swear by the living God. How many times do we read that in Scripture? I swear by the living God, that person will be dead tomorrow morning or I'm dead. David said that quite a few times. I just read the story about him and, and, and Naboth. Or Nabal. I think his name is Nabal. He said he was going to kill them all. And then Abigail came to the rescue. And he said, I swore to God everyone was going to be dead by morning. I'm thankful that God sent you here. We use that name improperly. I swear to God I will do this or do that. Matthew 5.37 teaches us, here's how we're to respond. I've done this many times, and I've invoked God's presence in a conversation because it snaps me to attention. You see, I have that kind of relationship with God. He commands my respect. And so I'm in a conversation, and I'll say, you know, God's right here with us. <laughs> Everybody's going, yeah, he's right here. And that ought to change our conversation, the tone of our conversation. That's why I'm invoking his name. Honestly, I do that. I don't know if that's right or wrong. All right, let's pray. That's the last thing people want to do with me when they're arguing with me. Try that with your spouse. We're yakking at each other. Uh, honey, let's just pray. It doesn't go, that doesn't go over too well sometimes. The Bible just says, let your yes be yes and no, no. Just a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond that is an evil one. I've tried to do that when I've told God, Lord, I'll quit sinning. How many ever done that? I swear, God, I'll never do this again. You've ever done that? Wow. How many times did you die? He's telling us, name is precious when you hold his name in high esteem. When I, I'm typing and I do put a capital H, I, I believe God is smiling upon you and me. We're holding his name in a precious way. When we live our lives properly, we won't have to add anything to our yeses and nos. Here's another way you can take God's name in vain. Speaking falsely on behalf of God. Let's go to Deuteronomy 8.20. This happens in a lot of churches. Here it is. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name 
or who speaks in the name of God must die. I've been a part of churches where they come to me and say, you know what God told me to tell you? I said, what do you got, some hotline to God? I've heard people say that many, many times. God told me to tell you, and it didn't come true. By the way, during COVID, I saw a lot of these prophets on the Internet. Did you, did you come across some of those? They all told us, God told them. And someone approached me one time and said, well, preacher, don't you make mistakes in, in your messages? Yes, but this is a mistake God said we can't make. I am very alert of the fact that if I stand before you and say, God told me to tell you, you'll hardly ever hear me say that. Hardly ever. Even during COVID, I refrain from a lot of things. I just thank God that this place seemed to be disinfected. We started meeting in on Mother's Day, and this church has not been infected with the disease. Praise God. Thank you, Father. This church has had favor, and I give him the honor and the glory. And many of you were so glad you could rub shoulders with flesh and blood and meet with people knowing that that mask um, makes you look cute. That's all I'm going to say. I'll be politically correct right now. How about this last one? O-M-G. Oh, did I just step on how many people's toes? You, you Facebook it. It's in your Instagram. It's in your Twitter. It's in your emails. And it's on your mouth. Oh, my. And you hear about it on television all, my, all the time. Oh, my goodness. That's using God's name in a meaningless way. We grew up, I think I've said this before to you, we grew up, if you said, and if you look up in a dictionary, it's a euphemism, gosh or G. If I said G, we got slapped. How many got slapped if they said G? Okay, we got one person that's a little older. You couldn't say G. It, it was, <laughs> see, it's a little, you're a little older than your daughter sitting next to you, okay? That's what I meant by that, okay? A little older than your daughter. Older. By the way, we don't call folks over 40 older. We just say old. We're just older. I've been telling Jacob that and others. We're, we're older, not old. Amen, guys who are older? Women who are older, we're, we're, we're just older. We're not old. I can still beat you at pickleball. No, we tied pickleball last week, okay? What if you're guilty of using God's name in vain? Again, I know some of you may be new here or looking online. One of the things that we do, and even in the men's classes, and even when I teach people, I'm speaking to people that love God. And, and, and then my kids, when I taught them, we, we enjoyed God. And we had laughter in our home, and yet we were serious about God. We're serious about this subject. You'll not catch me using God's name in vain. I don't believe my children ever heard me say that. So we're serious about it, but we kind of laugh because we realize we're guilty of doing a lot of these things. I was guilty of using God's name in vain, invoking his presence many times. I did do that. What happens if you're guilty of using his name in vain? Proverbs teaches us, 28:13. people who conceal their sin. I, I just want to tell you, folks, just, it's wonderful. To, he's like a daddy. You know, he catches his son or his daughter doing something, and 
just come to daddy and tell me you did it, right? Don't hide it. One of the things I did in raising my family is I said, listen, see, I grew up with five other brothers. If you did something wrong, you got paddled no matter what. That's how I grew up. So we were afraid to tell the truth. So I learned from the way I was raised. And I told my kids, listen, if you will tell the truth, I will not powder you. That didn't mean there wouldn't be any consequence for what they did. But if they will tell the truth, what was I trying to do? I was trying to teach my kids to not be fearful of telling the truth. God already knows what you've done. He just wants you to come to him and tell him the truth. He's got it covered with his blood. He said, but people who conceal their sins will not prosper. I'm telling you people, there could be people listening this morning, even being here. They're not prospering because they're concealing their sin. But if you will confess and turn from them, you will receive mercy. If you try to stay silent, you might say it's not a big deal, but that's a big mistake. So honor God's name. On paper, in my opinion, when you watch television, when you go to movies, the people around us, we can't do anything about it because we live in a sinful world. You can't demand or command them to stop cussing. But in many cases, is if you live for Christ, They'll stop cussing around you. But don't act like you're all that and more if they stop it. That may be that person that has a fear of God. I know someone that told me this last week. I cuss, but I will never take God's name in vain. He has a, a reverence and a respect for God's name. We grew up, when I grew up, that when people cursed, they would curse. We called it behind the barn. They wouldn't curse in front of people or in front of ladies. I'm astonished at the ladies who curse today. I did not grow up with that, especially the F-bomb on the pickleball court. It is surprising to look at a 60-year-old, 65-year-old, a 7-year-old out there. They're just older. They're not old. They're just older using the F-bomb. You want to live a happy life? Enjoy God, true happiness. Honor his name. Okay, now we get to the Lord's Sabbath. Timed it perfectly, 15 minutes on that, 15 minutes on the Sabbath. We're going to learn some things. I'm not going to be able to satisfy everybody's expectations about the Sabbath. I do ask that you keep your mind open about what the Scripture says, especially to some of my Messianic friends and some of my Jewish friends. It's God speaking, not me, and I really mean that. Let's look at what the commandment says. Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. Honor God, remember, and honor Jesus. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God, and on that day, no one in your household may do any work. We know the Sabbath is on the seventh day of the week, which is on a Saturday. We all know that. 
and it's a day of rest. The question is, should Christians keep the Sabbath or Saturday as a day of worship and rest? I'll attempt to answer that question. First of all, I want you to think about this if you're keeping notes. The Sabbath was not given for all mankind. Now, that may be news to a lot of my Jewish friends, a lot of Messianic friends, as well as to believers. Prior to God giving the commands, how many commands did I tell you there actually was? Why are we so fixated on just 10? So prior to God giving Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, Never in Scripture one time will you read about God commanding anyone to keep the Sabbath. When God created the heavens and the earth, he rested. He didn't rest because he needed rest like you and me. And neither did Adam and Eve need rest because they were perfect. He did not commit the eighth. He did not create a ninth, eighth, ninth, tenth day. He rested from what he did for six days. And he And he remembered that and recalled that. Never commanded Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Noah, Abraham, never recorded about them keeping the Sabbath. It was not made for all mankind, and no one kept the Sabbath, nor were they commanded to keep the Sabbath before God gave the command on Mount Sinai. Do the research. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 2 through 3. The Lord our God made a covenant. This is really one of the key things that Christians need to think about. God made a covenant with Israel. All the Old Testament, much of it, is a covenant made with Israel, not the Gentiles and not the rest of the world. Especially we'll note that in the the ceremonial law. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Mount Sinai. The Lord did not make his covenant with our ancestors. In many translations it says, the Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers. Father Abraham had many sons. Okay, so Isaac, Jacob, and of course Abraham. He did not make this covenant. This is scriptures. Let the scripture be true and every man a liar. The Lord did not make this covenant with our ancestors, but with us who are alive today. Meditate on that. It was not made for all mankind. It was given to Israel. It was a covenant. Now, the Sabbath was a sign. Notice Exodus 31, 16 through 17. Trust me, I've battled this for years. You can go online, get all different kinds of arguments about the Sabbath. But I think God will use me to help me and help you understand this a little bit better, especially when you understand covenant theology. Exodus 31, 16 through 17 reads, The people of Israel, the people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. I think it's Omar. There's another study that we need to do sometime on forever and everlasting. Some can be a duration of time. Some could mean for all time. That's for another study. But this 
is a covenant obligation for all time. It is a permanent sign of my covenant with who? The people of Israel. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he stopped working and was refreshed. You see, after the new law of Christ was given, we never hear or read in the New Testament the commandment to keep the Sabbath again. Let's read Exodus 31, 12 through 14. Kind of punctuates this point that it, Sabbath was a sign. The Lord God gave these instructions to Moses. Tell the people of Israel, be careful to keep my Sabbath day. For the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. It is given so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. So we know that the Sabbath was also a sign. It was a permanent sign. Once again, in verse 17, Exodus 31, 17, it is a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. Don't forget that. I think of some other signs that were given. Was the sign of circumcision given to the people of the world or was it given to the people of Israel? The people of Israel. Circumcision. Remember that the big debate in the New Testament was if you become a believer in God, many of the Jewish people thought, well, the Gentiles have to be circumcised. Aren't we glad we don't have to be circumcised? No, it's a woman said that. <laughs> Noah was given a sign. Does any young person in here know what that was? A rainbow. Not the kind of rainbow you hear about today. That's a different rainbow. Not to be mixed with the new definition of rainbow. Amen? Okay, I hope I'm speaking to the right crowd here. And Moses gave Israel a sign, and that sign was the Sabbath. Now, remember the covenant that God made with Israel. There is a moral part to it as well as a ceremonial part with it. And some say a third, the civil, three aspects to the law, the civil part of the law. The moral law is spelled out in the Ten Commandments, and we know that the ceremonial law, like dietary restrictions, tithing, circumcision, offering sacrifices, and yes, the Sabbath. These were ceremonial laws. There was 52 Sabbaths in the year, and then there was another 18. The Jews kept almost 70 Sabbaths throughout the year, but the Sabbath was given to the Jews. Not only was it a sign, but the Sabbath was given as a reminder of Israel's freedom. Freedom. Yes, Deuteronomy reminds us of this. Why he commanded Israel to keep the Sabbath. Here it is. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt. But the Lord your God brought you out with a strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Why did he ask them to rest on the Sabbath day? Because he had freed them from Egyptian bondage. This was something special between Israel and God. Now, a lot of people today have a problem with my next point. 
It isn't my point. It's the point of many religious leaders. The cross of Christ took away the Sabbath day as binding on God's people. Let's go to some passages. Besides the covenant that I just told you about, that God made only with Israel, and we know the ceremonial law has been obliterated. They no longer practice that. We'll get to that in a moment. But it teaches us that having canceled the written code, what is the written code? The law of Moses, with its regulations, the other commandments. It says, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. We're not, this isn't me saying it, this isn't Baptist saying it, this isn't Catholic Church saying it, this is God's word saying it. We are no longer under the Old Testament law, Seventh-day Adventist. But we operate under the new covenants. You can go to Romans 7, We'll look at Hebrews 8 in a moment. Two verses later, in case you don't know what he's talking about, he qualifies it in verse 16 and 17 of Colossians 2. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Remember, Israel, they were given a lot of commandments about eating and drinking, what they could and could not eat. Or don't let anyone judge you regard to a religious festival a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. I already told you they had about 70 Sabbath days. I like what he said next. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So there's a a transition going from the literalness of keeping the law to where Jesus said, It's you keep the spirit of the law. Let's go to Romans 7, 5 through 6. That kind of punctuates this point about being released from the law in case people still think we're under the law. Because remember, the Sabbath was a covenant given between God and Israel. It reads, when we were controlled by our old nature, this is Romans 7, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now we have been, hallelujah, released from the law. The Jews were glad of that, at least those that were born again. For we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, the Ten Commandments, or the 613 Commandments, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Do you recall where Jesus said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. No wonder why God said, listen, the two best commandments are Love God and love your neighbor. If you keep these commandments, you're keeping all of them. Our focus is not going to the Ten Commandments. Our focus is what Jesus taught us. Produce fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. When you think about producing fruit of the Spirit, you're not fixated on the Ten Commandments. The law of which the Sabbath was a part of was temporal. This is something else I want to remind you of. It was a sign 
It was also temporal. Galatians 3.19. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. Just like the speed limit sign shows you your sin of going over the speed limit. You hate that. You try to ignore it. Cop, I didn't see it. I didn't know I was in a children's area. I saw you driving right next to me. I was going the same speed limit that you were. How come you're giving me a ticket? Will you give yourself one? I've had a cop give me a ticket that was right next to him, following right alongside him. Read the sign. That's what he said. I didn't see it. You were in the way. I have to watch my mouth with, with those in authority. So it was given alongside the promise to show their people their sins, but the law was designed to last. Here it is. Only to the coming of the child who was promised. Who is that? Jesus. I've given you a lot of food to think about. Jesus made a new covenant with us. Hebrews 8.13, excuse me. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. We know that for sure. The temple has been destroyed. The curtain has been torn in two. The, priest, the Levitical priesthood is no longer intact in spite of what Messianic Jew tells you it is. Jesus is the new order under the order of Melchizedek. Amen. It's been obliterated. The temple has been obliterated. We will no longer go back that because the blood of Jesus was the final sacrifice for all sin. So even though they may try to rebuild the temple and they may, may retry to offer sacrifices, that's not exactly what God wanted them to do. So it says when God speaks of a new covenant, it means he's made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. Now, some translations put this a little bit differently, but some theologians believe this, that as the time of the writing, the temple of Jerusalem had not been totally destroyed. And so that's why he said, everything will soon disappear. What makes up the new covenant? We just celebrated it. 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant. The new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The council at Jerusalem, many of you have to go to chapter 15, the first church council made up of Jesus' half-brother, when people came to, to, to the council, to the apostles, and said, none of these Gentiles are doing anything that we Jews were raised with. And the council said, listen, we couldn't keep the law. Are you trying to put that burden on the Gentiles? Listen, here's the only two things that they, you got to tell them to do. Don't eat meat while the blood's still in it and refrain from sexual immorality. And then, of course, listen to the things that Jesus taught us. The old covenant was obliterated. So what about Sunday being the new Christian Sabbath? Now that's another, another idea. People think that the Christian Sabbath is something that we do instead of celebrating on Saturday. Nowhere in Scripture does the, the Scripture teach us, us the terminology of a Christian Sabbath. 
Christians came up with it because they believed that the Ten Commandments are still binding on us today. Uh Uh-oh. Are the Ten Commandments binding on us today? No. Let me qualify it. Jesus spoke of nine of the commandments, but never spoke of the tenth, the, the commandment, the fourth commandment, which is to honor the Sabbath day. I gave you many scriptures that punctuate this point. So the Ten Commandments were nailed to the cross along with the law of Moses. We obey the nine commandments not because they're a part of the law of Moses, but because, again, nine of them are a part of the laws of following Jesus. Now Christians meet on the first day of the week. Hebrews 10.25 reminds us, meet on a regular basis. But I already told you, found in Romans, that we all know even the priest worked on the Sabbath, and Jesus remind them that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He obliterated all their thinking about the Sabbath. We have to understand the spirit of the Sabbath. We have to understand the spirit. Now, we're not going allegorical and not being literal. I already told you, literally, Jesus destroyed and nailed to the cross the 613 commandments that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. They could not keep them. Jesus did it for us. He kept all 613 for you and me. If you believe that, he will forgive you of breaking those commandments and forgiving you. I'll leave you with a couple passages and then we're in. Romans 14, 5 through 6 said in the same way, some think one day is more holy than another while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. I mean, if the Sabbath was so important like it was to the Jewish people, why did Jesus not tell us? Clearly, tithing is the same way. You notice we don't beg and plead for money. It's the principle God wants. Now, that doesn't mean I want to, if if you're saying I want, well, they tithe, and so therefore I don't want to tithe at all, then, then you don't understand what Jesus owns everything. You're a manager of everything that you have. You are a manager of Jesus' property, amen? And so because of what he's done for us and because of the cross, we want to give back. But I'm not going to legalistic preach that you have to give 10%. Jesus wants a joyful giver. So in the same vein, the Sabbath, you should think about the spirit of it, that God rested from what he had created. He didn't need rest because he was tired, nor did Adam and Eve need rest. The Christian does not have to celebrate the Sabbath. It is not a commandment of God. But he does command us to gather to worship on a regular basis. In Acts 2, they met daily. You can't meet daily. You have jobs. You're raising kids. So you find a place where they meet regularly that can fit your schedule. I know a lot of people cannot meet on Sundays. You take a lot of golfers. Some of you thought they were sinning golfing on Sunday. And so God uh, caused them to live a life of having to hit a little ball in a hole for 20, 30 years. You imagine having to hit a little ball in one of those little holes in the green. And you thought they were sinning. They're not. Some have Bible study before. Some have Bible study the next day. You have doctors, you have police officers, firemen. You have all kind of workers that work. Pastors, we work on, on the Sabbath. So understand, Christian, you are free. You are free. Would you stand at this time? Give God the glory praise this morning. If you're listening this morning 
here or you're online. It, it is a fearful thing for me to stand before you and teach these things. But I do believe with all my heart what I just told you, and I gave you plenty of scripture. And I didn't twist it, distort it, or take it out of context. The law was nailed to the cross. Jesus is your righteousness. You cannot keep the law. But now you keep the spirit of the law, what Jesus teaches all throughout the New Testament. But we learn from the Old Testament. Father, I pray today that someone that doesn't know you will understand that you bore the burden of what we couldn't do. And you took the punishment of us breaking the laws. You took the punishment on our behalf. You will take the punishment on their behalf. If they'll believe in you, remind them of that this morning, Father, please. This is why we preach to, to, to tell them about you, Father, so they may have a home in heaven. And I pray that if someone this morning is looking in a line, that you'll go to the comment section and Say, listen, I want to learn a little bit more about becoming a believer, becoming a part of Victory Life Church that teaches the truth of God. I also want to tell you something else. Those who worship on a Saturday, applaud them. Remember, they think that day is very important. Don't make fun of them. Don't belittle them. I'm not saying that at all today, guys. The Jewish people that worship on a Saturday, Messianic people that worship on a Saturday, Seventh-day Adventists that worship on a Saturday, don't make fun of them. You're just free, just like when you eat a piece of meat that was offered to a sacrifice. Paul said, you can go ahead and eat it because you know there's no God but God. But don't flaunt your freedom before people that have a hard time. Don't flaunt it. God, may you add blessings to the reading of your word and cause people to make decisions this morning that they need to make. Cause us to be in your word and study your word. Please save. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.